Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Yeah. It's pretty bad. My poor pigs. My poor pigs. Forget your pigs. I don't have AC in my truck. Do you really not? No. You don't have doors on your truck. 255. I'm telling you, it's 255. I don't have doors. Welcome to the Bear Grease Render. (laughs) (laughs) Really, welcome to the Bear Grease Render. Yeah, Dan Roop doesn't have doors on his truck. No doors, no AC. Yeah, it's really hot here in Arkansas. Over 100, 100 degrees today is what I hear. Hey, did you guys know, speaking of air conditioning, no doors on the truck, Mm. did you boys know that I've been driving a D5 Caterpillar dozer for the last two days? I've spent uh, like 10 hours, one day, two hours, one day, eight hours. Like going to the store and back? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an everyday driver for me now. Yeah, I drive it it into town. Hmm. It's no. a heck of a machine. Did y'all cat. see? Did y'all know that I was doing that? I did. Well, I we saw, follow your Instagram. So yes, we saw it. Man, I tell you what, you got a new appreciation if, if for this that. outdoor media stuff. Does not work out. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what I'm going to be doing with my life. You like it, bulldozer driver? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, it's a little hard on the intestines, though. Not, not this one, man. Air conditioning so cold, oh. it would absolutely. Freeze wow. you out. Get the hydraulic Very seat. Very comfortable seat. Yeah, this is like a really nice wow. dozer. Uh, and my dad's friend is the one who 
let us use it. Like, just like, let us use it. Just like, sure. What you know, it's who you know, I guess. Man. Yeah. And so, man, so over where we're doing this work in the, it's actually in the Washita's. Wink, wink. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting a wink from the land bridge. Um, For those of us, for those, for those people who aren't from this part of the world, like it's super thick regrowth on this property. Very thick. Like you couldn't shoot a bow 20 yards in most places. And the, the topography is up and down. You know, there's a big draw that comes through our property and some hills and valleys Anyway, but it's so thick, there's no view. I deeply value views. Like, and basically, long story short, I'm not going to get into all the details. Me and dad are building a cabin. (laughs) Me and dad are building a cabin over there at some point. And dad wanted the cabin down on the creek, okay? Which it's not much of a creek. It's a small creek. Dry, it, it didn't even Seasonal. spoil the year. I wanted the cabin up on top of the ridge, but to do that, we had to build a pretty long road, about a quarter mile probably road. And I wanted a view. And I I did not know how good the view was going to be until I borrowed a Cat 5. Are you, are you getting paid by Caterpillar? Yeah, that would be awesome. If Caterpillar. I jumped in that thing. And now I've, I have driven big equipment before. I'm good on a track hoe and a back hoe. And I'd, I'd never driven a dozer. And uh, man, I, got, I, I picked it up quick. And I'm like a professional dozer operator now. Wow. And we, we cleared about probably close to an acre of stuff so thick you couldn't walk through it and that dozer will knock flat knock over a tree that's about 14 15 inches in diameter just drive over it i mean we i was pushing over pine trees that you could have built a all house the dozer out operators out there are saying you shouldn't be doing that <laughs> no, 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 they're saying it's probably they're, they're pushing over bigger trees. anyway that was a lot of fun but what i appreciate about that story is how brazen you are in congratulating yourself for being a fantastic bulldozer driver. I mean, I mean I was, hey, if you got it, flaunt yeah, it. I mean, exactly. This is exactly. It was just a ton of fun. <laughs> he's in a, he's in a sandbox it. the size was, of the see, mountains. I'm, I'm steps ahead of everyone here. Wow. Because, here we go again. Because, <laughs> round two. The sheer, the sheer <laughs> knowledge and wisdom. I don't know. I don't even know how we can sit in the same room with this man. Well, I said what all else? that to say... That is why Gary Newcomb is not here today. <laughs> because we've been working over there, and he had to go back down there today for some other stuff that was going on. So Gary Newcomb is not here. So now I will get into introductions. All right. I won't, I won't tell who this voice is that is. To my right, Brent Reeves. <laughs> Man, Brent back had a it. home run appearance on the Bear Grease podcast this week. I'll wow. say. What'd you think? Yeah. I'll yeah, say. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear about Articulate, it Articulate, handsome. Say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> to his right, Daniel Roop. Dr. D. Roop. Hello. Good hello. to see you, man. Good to be here. The Land Bridge, Josh Spillmaker. I'm here. Still unqualified. Got a, Straight up shout out on the Bear Grylls podcast. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, that's uh, you didn't like coach him to say that, did you? No. Yeah. The, the actual land bridge does come up in conversation with a lot of people I run with. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not talking about Josh. <laughs> <laughs> the land bridge. 
pretty dang fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day I'll do an entire Burgers podcast on the land. That's a brilliant oh, idea. Oh, oh, man. Get ready. Really? That's, that, is that going to be listen. my moment? Is that going to be my moment? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably not. Exactly. Don't count on it. Hey, listen. If you live in North America and you do not know about the Bering Land Bridge, then basically there's a massive hole in your understanding of why you are here, the animals that are on this continent are here, and basically you are sort of irresponsible. That's wow. my take on it. Lots of, lots of generalized statements being thrown around. Really? There. Yeah. All positive in one direction. <laughs> that, that dozer. <laughs> was it, 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 that's what happened to the land bridge. Man, <laughs> when I was, was on that dozer, dozer yesterday, I felt intoxicated with power. <laughs> I, think, I think it may have shaped me like in an unhealthy way. We're all thinking that. <laughs> Man, okay, people have complained that we're talking over each other. Oh, This has been like okay. one nonstop talking. We'll be quiet. No, no, we'll we got to keep it up. Forget those people. <laughs> we're going to talk about reviews here in a minute. No, Listen better. Landbridge, Josh, good to see you. Yes, good Great to be to here. see you. Back from wherever he was, Back. Malachi Nichols. Here, here, Dr. Here, Nichols. Here, here. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. I, when Malachi walked in today, I was like, you been playing golf? He, Almost. He, too got, hot. Brent, will you describe what he's wearing? He's got some socks from, the, they probably should have, I don't know how you describe that. It looks like a DNA pattern or something. I'd say, I'd say they come from Scotland. It looks like, uh, like those are golf socks. I think Dolly Parton's mama made those. <laughs> like that, to go coat with that of coat of many, many colors. colors yeah. <laughs> Malachi is known for his socks and has been for years. He's, he's, he's strong, man. Yeah. Carry on. Chinos. The reason I'm not. Oh, okay. He goes Chinos. up. He goes up from uh, his decorative socks to a pair of non-pleated slacks. <laughs> <laughs> Comfortable anywhere from a night out on the town to Pebble Beach. Bear Grease Render. Bear Grease Render. <laughs> yes. Uh, accompanying that and finishing off his attire would be a white polo. That has literally obviously a, been pressed sometime in the last five years. <laughs> it looks good. But he's actually got a polo. Polo, polo. That's what that is. Polo, polo. Yeah. Polo, I thought that was self-explanatory. Polo can be generic. Like, you could buy a polo from Walmart. Okay. That is a legit So that is the style. That is the, not only is it a polo shirt, it is a polo shirt. Exactly. Is that right. better? Yeah. Bulldozer yeah, yeah. man. Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Malachi, great to have you back. Glad to be here. We told, we told everybody last time why you weren't here. Why wasn't I here? I forgot. Well, it was because you got ousted out by oh, Josh. Oh, yeah, by the land bridge. Yeah, the land <laughs> Yeah, well, the land bridge. Okay, and then our guest of honor, Misty Newcomb, my wife. Hello, Misty. Aw, how nice. So sorry. So sorry for everybody else who did not get that introduction. No, Misty. I don't want to be Clay's wife. You, should, you, guys, <laughs> you guys should start to cue in on nonverbal things that are happening in this room. If you'll notice, Miss Newcomb has a banjo in her lap. Always. Well, I was just going to say, just FYI, I got invited to play at my first non-Bear Grease gig. Oh! Pretty yeah. big deal. Don't, don't tell them wow. where. They'll all go. It's true. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll be... We can't, we're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, keep watching for the release of those tickets for the Arkansas Music Pavilion. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. She's playing with Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, no, not true. Not true. Um, hey iTunes and reviews on iTunes are big in the podcast world. None of us podcasters know why, but we just all know that it is because podcasters like continually beg people 
for ratings and reviews. None of us know why. It's kind of like being a North American and not knowing that, you know, humans first came across a Bering Land Bridge. You know, it's kind of irresponsible that I don't really understand why iTunes ratings are important, but they really are. And people have really come through big time for us. Yes. We've, we've got a I ton of good reviews. I scrolled through the other day. Well, I was going to bring up that one review. <laughs> That's like, Josh texted this is, me. This is the greatest podcast in history. Two stars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to bring this up. Gary Newcomb. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it literally, I think it said instant hit. Love this. Like it, it like just glowed. I think it was in all caps. Yeah, it was just like this is awesome. Two stars. <laughs> I, I would like to hear what a good podcast was for that guy. Yeah, for real. What got a five star? Yeah, I mean, because I mean I'd like to hear what he would say about right. it, you know. Yeah. But it was it was pretty impressive. Hey, did you guys know that the Bear Grease podcast has a new official title sponsor? Did y'all no. catch it? Y'all didn't catch it? Caterpillar? <laughs> Caterpillar. No, FHF gear. Oh, yeah. I heard it. Y'all, did y'all hear that yeah, in the yeah. intro? Yes. It was FHF gear. Yeah. yeah. Do y'all know what FHF stands for? No. Fish hunt fight. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fish hunt fight. Yeah, so fish hunt fight gear. I've got some some FHF stuff right here. No, awesome. this, this is one of the meat eater companies. This is That's one a of, pretty cool bag right dude, there. This is a, so like a this is a, yeah. yeah, this is their like accessories pouch. So I use this, basically FHF, they, they became known probably originally with their binocular harnesses. So it's a chest harness, <clears throat> but they're making all kind of other stuff now. And so this is their, their, their pouch. Like this is my turkey pouch. Mm, I got man, my, that would be all a my great, turkey calls. That would be a great fly fishing pack right there. Just they slap sell them, that Josh. bad boy they sell oh. them there. They've got them. I'm in. It looks perfect for pot They're very comfortable. Like, you quit. If you wear one of these, I mean, you know, you you might need more storage if you really were trying to carry a backpack. But, man, everything's right here on your chest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is just their... Okay, the housekeeping items here, okay? Um, First Light is having their season opener sale, which is their biggest sale of the whole year. And it... It goes from August 3rd to August 5th, okay? A bunch of stuff is on sale. It's their best sale of the year. So if you're looking to get decked up. out in some First Light stuff, and I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. So on, on social media, they just said, hey, we want you all to tell your top three pieces of gear, like your must-have pieces, because it, it, sometimes it's confusing just with a clothing company that has all these different kind of complex systems and different things. It's just like, what do you get? Sawbuck pants, man. I wear sawbuck. It's to wonder I'm not wearing them today. I literally almost wear them every day. Uh, sawbuck pants that basically have a, it's a synthetic material on the back, but a brush pant front. Mm. And uh, so they're kind of tough They that, you know, you can, you can, they're kind of tough, but they're they're also breathable, lightweight. Absolutely love them. Brush guard in the front, breathable in the back. It's the wallet <laughs> of work pants. For first light. It's Man, the it's the union suit of hunting pants. That's my dream <laughs> pant right there. You really would like them. Number two is the Brooks Down sweater, which is it, they call it a sweater, but I mean it's a jacket. It's that I, light I've been jealous of jacket. that. Oh yeah, since yeah. you walked in with it, I'm gonna yeah. be getting one of those. Well, it's a man. 
once it gets October, I will wear it every day from October through March. And I'm are you going to wash it? No, I, no, I'm not joking. No, I don't wash it. It's a jacket, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, blank <He's> stare. <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so it's a, <laughs> I can see why this question would have been relevant. It's not really a sweater that you wear that like touches your skin. It's a jacket, but they call it the Brooksdown sweater. Do you wash your so jacket? Thin. Ever since Clay's been on the dozer. He doesn't listen to any questions. Yeah. He just writes us off. <laughs> Brooks down sweater. Okay. And then the, the third one is the Corgate guide pants. So you'll hear me talking about that. Corgate guide pant is basically their hot weather synthetic material pant. But it's, it's awesome. Are it's they stretchy? Stuff. Yeah, they're stretchy. That's what they're we wore like, in, uh, like yoga hunting yoga pants. pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yoga yeah. 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 yeah, I like them. Um, hey, I, so we usually kind of have like story time on the podcast and uh misty and i have a story today mm. oh yeah we have a little a treat here and it's it's a timely story because will you be telling it together no he's gonna cut me off I mean- <laughs> <laughs> she don't know how to drive a bulldog yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna start and you can say let me tell this part <laughs> um misty will help me because misty's a big part of the story so misty please feel free feel free <laughs> to chime in but <laughs> Feel we, free to chime in. <laughs> Do your story. <laughs> we've had chickens for probably 15 years. And we've had an assortment, an assortment of roosters. And so all our kids will have rooster stories. And people's kids that have come over here, you know, for those of you who wouldn't know, roosters are ornery and they will attack you. Some There's a, there's a variation. Yeah. Some roosters are really bad about wanting to attack people. Some roosters aren't that bad at all. There's okay. a spectrum had, of yeah, roosters. Exactly. And we've had a rooster that thought he was human and kind of imprinted on clay and would follow him around on the phone and crow behind I him. I guess we got to tell that story. I had a buddy that gave me a rooster, like a single rooster when we had no chickens. He, they had to get rid of this rooster because they had it in town and it was crowing. And the city made them say, you, you can't have that rooster. It's making a racket. Your neighbors are calling us. He brings it here, turns loose this barred rock rooster at my house. And <clears throat> the rooster has no other chickens. And so, like, I'm the one that's here, like, walking around. You're the, the closest day. thing to a chicken he's got. <laughs> he follows me around it's true. every day. And in this office, I'm trying to make a living for Bear Honey Magazine, scrapping away as an entrepreneur. And I'm in here by myself. And that rooster would stalk me, watching me through the windows. <laughs> and as soon as I would get a phone call, and that rooster would hear me talking in this building. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it would look at me. It's and 100% literally, true. I would I would take my if I if I was on an important call like someone I'm trying to like <laughs> do business with that like doesn't know much about me. Like I would like run out to try to get as far away as I could from that rooster. And the rooster but he wouldn't him. crow till he heard me talk. So like people, people have memories of being Clay. The first time I called Barony Magazine, <laughs> all I could hear was that rooster crowing. <laughs> we would eat dinner with that rooster, and he would come up to the <laughs> like, at the, like around the dinner we would, table. Like, we'd like, be eating dinner, and the rooster would be outside. Right, right. Yeah, we, yeah, we wouldn't eat it with the rooster. <laughs> I thought the two of you took him on a date night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would sit there as a family, and he'd come and look and stare, and you'd kind of feel bad that you didn't invite him in because he, he, he clearly the wanted windows. to be part. He was just really lonely. Kind of like, hey. Guys, 
guys? Am I not part of the family? I mean, he really was part of the family. The most recent rooster has been a terrorist for the last three years. And Great he, segue. He is, he's, he's attacked me publicly. He <laughs> has attacked pretty much every one of our kids. He has a particular thing with people in shorts. So if you go running... If you go, he'll come and yeah. run after you. If you, you wear shorts and you're a white guy, you're in trouble. <laughs> he can see you don't have any spurs. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we have this rooster, and he's he's bad news, okay? He's been alive for... Three or four years, he, yeah. He's old. He's an old rooster, because we got stories that I mean, go rooster pretty, years. pretty far back. Well, well there came a point... The like a version. <laughs> there came a point when we decided years ago that this rooster was a liability to our place. And we, he needed to go. You'd open okay. the door to feed it, and it would just come out and attack you. Okay. And so, being the good dad that I am, I delegated off the task of disposing of this rooster. Leadership. To, to shepherd <laughs> exactly. Nickel, you delegating. My, my youngest son, yeah. who at the time would have been under 10 years old. Pretty good shot. And so, being also a responsible <laughs> father, I didn't give him a gun. What did I give him to go... Dispatch the rooster. I was a bow. A bow. I gave Shepard Nook him a bow. He was pretty good with a bow. And we just said, Shepard, dispatch. Take care, take care of the rooster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take so, care of the rooster. Wink. Shepard goes out, but he shoots this rooster. And he he comes back in and he's all excited and he's like, I got him, Dad. And I was like, Really good. And I said, I mean, he's dead, huh? And he said, Well, he he ran off into the woods. And before I go any further, let me say that anybody who's ever eaten a chicken nugget or any kind of <laughs> chicken that was raised in confinement agriculture has zero position to be able to um, judge the caretaking of our rooster. Okay. He's a little right. touchy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want somebody being like, oh, you abused a rooster. No. No. Shepherd shoots the rooster with a bow. <laughs> It's the, self-defense, the rooster, It really the rooster, was self-defense. The rooster runs off, and I just think it's gone out in the woods and died, to be honest. <laughs> that and was I, your first mistake. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, we're Never good. underestimate a rooster. Well, man, right at dark, when all the chickens start coming into the coop, from way across the pasture, I look out there, and I see... The captain. That was his name. <laughs> He's like General Custer. His name is the captain. I see him limping across the field. <laughs> With I mean, an arrow through him. No, no, no arrow. Limping across the field. And I go, Dad gum, that sucker's still alive. And he limps all the way back into the coop. And we had so much respect for him after this and also, like it, humbled him. It, humbled. it humbled him he was a little bit easier to handle like he would open the door and he'd just be like i'm just gonna walk i'm gonna limp by you i mean i'm not we, gonna we, we, yeah. a pattern began to establish itself is this a way that clay could be humbled <laughs> <laughs> ever since he drove that bulldozer wing him. just wing him so we kind of had empathy for him after this we were like well maybe you shot him well maybe we'll let him live because the next day he was nicer and for months, he didn't attack anyone. <laughs> Years. Okay? And he kind of dialed back. Yeah. So it, the, the rooster gradually builds up whatever he lost, and he starts getting real ornery again. <laughs> okay. One day, Misty and I are going somewhere, and it was hot. I remember I was dressed up in, like, the nicest clothes I own. Okay? I remember that I needed something 
way out by the mule pasture. I go, doggone it. And I run, I jump out of the truck and run over to the mule pasture, running. And there are all the chickens. And, and I, I'm inside. I bisect the chicken flock and they just go the chickens just go flying in either direction you know i'm running right through the middle of this flock of chickens chickens going right chickens going left the captain does not like that at all why would he and he absolutely just goes full tilt spurring flying kicking i mean on me and and if you've never had that happen to you i've been pretty darn near charged by black bears and i this is scarier okay i mean he's spurring me and i mean i'm hollering i i I, get out of here yeah and i kick him just as hard as i can kick him he goes across the yard hits the ground comes back at me again that's this the thing time, about roosters. They don't stop. Oh, they're stop. relentless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say, I say, Clay. He is attacking me. Like, <laughs> if it had been a small kid, I'd been afraid he'd kill them. Yeah. Well, I was standing in our orchard. And in our orchard, I'd trim some limbs. And there was a limb that was about five inches long and about as big around as a Coke can that <laughs> was laying on the ground. That's a club. I pick it up. <laughs> Short club. I pick it up and just sling it sideways just like that at him. I mean, I'm not trying to kill him. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, it just hits him right in the head. Bam! <laughs> that sucker goes down on his back. Wings start flopping. Feet are sticking straight up in the air. He's, He's circling kicking. the drain. <laughs> and I mean, and his feet kick, 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 <laughs> limp. <laughs> Mrs. Captain, there's been an accident. <laughs> the rooster is dead as a hammer. And I go, doggone it. I, I, I was like, I, I wasn't trying to kill him. What? <laughs> Please don't not try really. to not kill me. Yeah. <laughs> dead as a hammer. And so I walk over there and I'm upset. Did you check his pulse? I'm upset. <laughs> I know what it looks like when something dies. And this right. rooster just died right here. And I know Misty's going to be upset. I go back to the truck and I'm actually nervous about telling Misty. I get in the truck. <laughs> And I go, Misty, something's really sad just happened. <laughs> I really do love my chickens, okay? Something, <laughs> it's a true story. It's and I been said, an unfortunate accident. I said, I just killed the captain. <laughs> Misty It was Newcomb as if I lost my brother. Breaks into tears. Oh. I'm not kidding. He always, I think, exaggerates his part a little bit. I mean, there were sniffles. Breaking into tears sounds like I'm you wailing cried. and gnashing of teeth. I mean... I mean, like tears came out of your eyes and you said, oh my gosh, what happened? And I tell her and she says, where's he at? And I say, he's laying right out there in the mule pasture, dead. Misty says, I want to see him. (laughs) (laughs) I want proof. (laughs) Misty said, I want to see him. And we're dressed up in like the best clothes we've got, like I said. And I go, you want to see him? And I said, Misty, where are you guys going? I don't think you want to. (laughs) <laughs> and what in the world did you need over by the mule pit? There's a lot of unanswered questions here. So, so many so, things wrong with this story. So finally, she convinces me she wants to go see the dead cap. She just wants to, see, you know, part of grief. I, I guess I got to say goodbye. Closure. Closure. So I go, okay, well, let's go over there. And so we walk over there, and we come around the chicken coop. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Misty comes around the chicken coop and gains vista of the mule pasture. And she goes, there he is. 
<laughs> feathers waving. I mean, his he, back he feathers is, just... Wa- he is running through the mule pasture going after his girls. <laughs> it's true story. Alive as he's ever been in his true life. True story. That's number two. That's twice. That's twice. It humbled him, though. Okay. We have a squirrel dog named Tim. Tim is one of the smartest animals we've ever interacted with. Incredibly smart. He's a feist. He's a squirrel dog. Anywhere there is drama, Tim is involved he in. He loves it. He loves drama. He loves like when drama. the mules fight, like he'll go out and start baying them. <laughs> sure. For real. When the pigs get out, like he's the one telling us that the pigs are out. Like he's running. Tim and the captain, the captain attacks Tim. Tim will be eating his dog food. The captain will come over and run Tim off his dog food and eat Tim's dog food. So and Tim cap- likes drama, but he's he's a little bit well. So you know, Tim has gotten yeah. to where where he where he runs after the captain, and they'll kind of get in a little fight. But, but Tim captain, won't ever touch him, won't ever hurt him. Captain always wins, and captain runs Tim off. Well, one day Misty is out in the garden. Tim and the captain get in a fight, and the captain is winning. So they're fighting, and Captain keeps coming after Tim and scaring him off, and, and Tim will go over just to harass him. Well, Tim's gone through puberty now, and he's a little stronger, a little faster, and he, I think, unintentionally bites Captain in the head. <laughs> and Accidentally. Down, I mean, Captain goes down, and there's no, there's no flipping, there's no... And I go film it because I'm, I'm sending it to Clay because I think he's dead. Clay has seen I the mean, Captain basically, dead. basically, Tim and come, kills... The captain's dead. And he's, he, I think there might be a chance because captain's died and come back a couple times. And so I want Clay to be there for it. I also don't want to go mess with him too much because he's a mean rooster and he'll come after me. So <laughs> From I'm trying. Yes, exactly. And so Clay comes home. I call him. And I said, I think Captain's dead. And she, I mean, but the way she said it, she said, I think he's dead for real. This time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I walk out in the field. This is a long time after it's happened. Oh, yeah. The captain is laid out flat. Like, I mean, he's not even act Like chalk outline laid Rigor out. mortis yeah. is set in. And I, I walk over there and look at him, and I see him breathing. What? I pick him up, and I set him up on his feet like this. <laughs> And he just kind of goes, Boing, and he kind of he kind of comes up, kind of comes to, <laughs> and he just sits there on the ground, and we just watch him, and I'm like, he's alive, but I'm I'm telling Misty, I'm he's, like, he's he, very woozy this time. I'm like, he's he's gonna die, man. We move him to the pen. Uh, we kind of help him along. He gets in the pen. He stays in the coop for two days. Doesn't come out. He stayed in the coop for three days. Okay, finally comes out and he just sits outside of it. Stayed in the coop for three days. We brought him food. And Did he, 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 when he would, when he finally came out, he would see his girls like straight in, I'm pointing straight in front of me and he would be trying to go after him and he would walk over here. <laughs> he would walk sideways. He, he couldn't he walk a straight some, line. Something going on. Did he come out on Easter morning? <laughs> <laughs> on the third day. He kind of lost his crow. His I mean, crow went from like. Full volume well, to for, like 20%. He lost it for a while, and then it came back one day at about 20%. So, lot, I mean, he was really humble after that and pretty mellow. And then it just gradually built back up, and that crow man, came back, and his meanness came back. Three times, really? Captain. Literally. Is he still around? Well, that's why we're telling this story. We're leading up to this moment. The captain is We need to tell no one more brief thing, and that is Captain one time got his foot stuck in some some wire and we had to amputate his toe yeah 
It's he, a true his story. His foot swole up one time real bad, and I went in there in the dark and grabbed him up and just because it was going to get his infected. toe it was, was getting he infected. got where he's limping real bad. He had this yeah. big club had foot nothing because to do with something was wrapped around his toe. I just cut his toe off, and within two days he didn't have a limp. Did the toe grow back? Nope. He just had a big old club foot with you know a chicken has four toes, one off the back, three off the front. And he had the middle one gone. <laughs> you could track him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> rock on. He's got the rock on. Oh man, yeah. So we amputated his toe. Okay, we're when we were a few weeks ago, we were gone, and we get a text from our daughter, and she says, "The Hicks captain Clay. is the, dead." This, this sounds like a news headline. The captain is dot is I dot did not, dead. I told her, I said, I won't believe it till I see it with my own eyes. <laughs> And sure enough, the captain is dead. From natural causes? We are quite certain that Tim, oh, Tim finished got him off. It. It's over. It well, was... it, it, Tim, again, Tim doesn't, we have chickens running around all over the place. He doesn't attack. We think it was where we feed Tim. And so captain we think there was a skirmish around the food. That's a vendetta. So the captain is dead. And that is why Misty Newcomb and I wrote a song about it. Oh, wow. True story. Ah, True story. Excellent. Hey. The song goes a little something like this. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain, your fearful trip is done. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain, oh, where have you gone? We'll miss your mighty crow more than you'll ever know. But we won't miss your spurs. <laughs> That's right. One shepherd shot you with a bow Once we had to amputate your toe When that limb hit you on the head Lying in the field we watched you raise from the dead <laughs> Oh captain, oh captain, your fearful trip is done Everybody! Oh captain, oh captain, oh where have you gone? We'll miss your mighty crow more than you'll ever know. But we won't miss your spurs. We never thought your life would come to an end. We thought you were immortal, my friend. We found your feathers by where we feed Tim. Your fearful rival finally got him a win. Everybody! Go oh, Tim. Captain, oh, Captain, your fearful trip is done. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain, oh, where have you gone? We'll miss your mighty crow more than you'll ever know. But we won't miss your spurs. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Big finish. An appropriate, <laughs> an appropriate tribute. <laughs> Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage 
and an easy-to-use app. You can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Hey, snake bit. Woo. Great podcast. What'd you like about it, Josh? Well, you know, I was talking to somebody today. I I don't walk around with, with too much of a fear of, of, of too many things. Like I don't get scared about like venomous spiders. I mean, we got brown recluses in our house and, I mean, the people that come and visit, it's not like they run around. They're everywhere. But they're everywhere around yeah. here. Uh, you know, black widows, you see them all the time. You know, dogs, like I don't get scared around dogs. But there is something about snakes. And I remember reading a story when I was a kid in the Reader's Digest about this this boy that was uh, running through the woods and he jumps over this little creek and steps on this stick and the stick ends up being a big rattlesnake and bites him and he you know, just barely escapes with his life. And I remember, like, even as a grown man, like, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. I won't walk through a field. 
I'll choose not to walk through a field sometimes because I'm leery of snakes. So, but it, it, there is a, there's definitely like an emotional response you have. So hearing people talk about that is, is, uh, it was, it was good. It was very, yeah, it was very, uh, emotion evoking. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite section? So to me, what I liked about this podcast was the diversity it, of the interviews. Yep. Cause it was like lighthearted and kind of funny with Brent and with my dad. And then, Straight up crazy with Mr. Fred, who's <laughs> <laughs> like my new best friend. And then it went to like super serious at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was your honestly? What, what I have to say, probably the most impacting part to me was the story at the end. Yeah, and I, I, and and I'm always I'm always a like a student of I don't know if a student is the right word, but I, I love to observe people and the way they respond to things. And to hear this woman who, this uh, on the outside, this tragic situation, right. horrific, you know, the thing you would never wish on your enemy right. to happen to her, but to her to talk about it and the way that she processed through it, mm-hmm. and then to 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 say, you know, there were days when I didn't want to get out of bed because I was scared about snakes on the floor, to coming to this point of resolution inside of herself. Right. To say this tragic thing happened to me, but I'm not going to allow it to define the way that I live my life from this point on. Right. Yeah, that was very Im- impacting yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That was my favorite part too. I thought she really? was inspirational. Yeah. yeah, just her story, how she processed it, and just how she moved forward with her life. And, and no sense of resentment unusual. against right. anybody or the same. Unusual. Yeah. yeah, like I listened to that interview just like you guys did. Like I didn't do that interview. Chris, Doctor Chris Jenkins did, which I owe him a big thank you. And in a told him that many times he interviewed he, he knew that woman or it didn't know her well but you know it, it he he knew of her knew the story and, and he was like man clay if we could get this lady to tell her story it'd be really good and he worked with her and got the story so when i listened to the story i was like shocked at just her demeanor yeah. Like and yeah, he came into the house and talked about it. He was like, "Do you know what I did today?" And he told me about hearing the, like it was impacting. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. not normal. Mm-hmm. But what did you think, Malachi? You know the 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 part that stuck out to me was when you were talking to one of the experts and he was talking about how how we respond to snakes is a learned trait. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's kind yeah. of really impactful. That's something that just if you think about, there's many things that we do inside of life that are learned. Right. Right. This it's not right or wrong, but it's a learned trait. And so how, how we are how we respond to snakes is something that's learned. And then to see like that crazy guy, it's like he's a learned trait that he can get bit and it's not gonna right. not gonna happen and nothing's gonna happen to him. And yeah. then you hear that woman, like she learned to get right. over her fear yeah. of snakes and be able to, to sit next to one in that interview. So I think that that's the part that I like. Now you don't have much background with snakes. Yeah, that's what I, that was as I was listening to the podcast. It was almost like less relevant to me because I didn't grow up walking through fields. I didn't grow up hunting. Yeah. I didn't grow up with a lot of exposure to snakes. So I don't really have this extreme emotion. I don't would say to snakes. Now if I see a rattlesnake, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, well, Malachi, I don't have much exposure. We put three snakes in this room <laughs> for you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What was the first venomous snake you ever saw? Oh, shoot. and how old I were can't, you? I, I can't remember the first one. I mean, just ever since I was born, I remember we were... vividly. I was nine years old, and it was a coral snake. Coral snake? Oh wow! In Texas? Oh wow! Very yeah. rare. Vividly remember it. Mr. Fred Lally's been dry bit by a coral snake. I heard about that. 
Yeah. No, I don't remember the first one. The um. So your mama, Malachi, didn't grow up telling you to watch out for snakes in Midland, uh-uh. Texas. Never. Nope. You know, I don't what, have a what's interesting, so there, I wanted to nerd out on it, but there was just too much. I actually cut out a ton of stuff out of this podcast. Like, there's twice as much um, with Fred Lally and with Chris Jenkins. Um, there is a, the dominant feature, and Chris said this, but when you understand the research projects, it's pretty interesting. The dominant reason we're afraid of snakes is learned behavior from parents. Sure like a toddler is not afraid of a snake. Like, so it's, there, there is some genetic coding. Like for instance, like chimpanzees do show slight fear to long slithery type shapes. They did, they do a lot of stuff with chimpanzees and primates in general to try to see. And, uh, but like a toddler, that's why if a toddler sees a snake on the ground, they might just walk over and grab it. What, like how it, do you uh, explain the cats and the cucumbers? Come again? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Have you ever I watched know, those yeah. videos? Clay, what I'm talking about. Clay honestly par- probably has the never entire seen this internet. Video. Yeah. Half <laughs> of the servers on this planet <laughs> yes. are full of videos of cats. Being and then house there's cats. a cucumber on the floor. You lay a cucumber behind a house cat when <laughs> it's unaware. Really, it turns around and sees it, and it will shoot sky as high. As much as it's you terrorize your rooster, I'm surprised you haven't laid a cucumber <laughs> on a cat before. <laughs> and they think it's a snake, and they jump to heaven. How yeah, do you, you know really, they think it's a snake? Yeah, okay. That's I your made, I made that part up. <laughs> How do you know they don't? <laughs> land bridge? <laughs> you keep your land bridge trapped shut. <laughs> I got to tell one one story. I One time, one of my good friends was uh, petrified of snakes. It was when we were in high school. We knew he was just like, I mean, he'd like punch in the face, you know, kind of scared if you messed with him with a snake. And uh, we were working together on a peach orchard. And uh, on the way to the peach orchard, I saw a big black rat snake on the road. I got out and caught it. And I, it was just the perfect setup. I had a new toolbox in the back of the truck, you know, the kind that straddles over the back of your bed. And it was brand new. And so I was going to his house, and it was the kind of thing where I'd be like, Adam, I got a brand new <laughs> toolbox. So I put that big snake in that toolbox, pull up to the peach orchard. He comes over. I mean, it was just like so natural. I was just like, look at my toolbox. <laughs> I picked that up yesterday. And he was like, oh, man, he jumps in the back of my truck. I probably got it. I was like, get in there and feel how that thing opens. And he gets in there and opens it, and that snake is there, and he comes unglued. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely came unglued. Um, Dan, what would you think? I, I could not believe Fred, I just couldn't believe his story. When, when he, one of the first things he said was, well, like, I was 10 years old, and I was force-feeding a pygmy rattlesnake. (laughs) And you were sitting there, and you're like, okay. And I was like, no. (laughs) What? Force-feeding it a a A squirrel squirrel leg. And I turned to get the other leg, and I was like. And the darn thing bit me. I'm sorry. (laughs) What in the world? It was just his whole experience. And then the other thing that I just found super fascinating was when he was describing driving down to Florida and stopping at those bridges. And so, you know, some guy on the phone driving says, to New Orleans. Yeah, New, New Orleans. Orleans. I'm sorry, yeah. New Orleans. And hey, I could use some, you know, I could use some cotton mouths. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> like every other bridge, I could pick up six, seven cotton mouths. And I'm like, sorry, what? Yeah. It, it was just nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so on the growing up on the farm, my grandpa would regularly kill a copperhead and bring it out and show it to us, or we'd see a rat snake or a big king, you know, king snake. We call yeah. it. 
and it's like those are good snakes those are bad snakes and so we just had we were interacting with snakes all the time it wasn't a a big thing but never once would you you catch now a grass snake or something like that we would catch and and have yeah. fun with but you knew the bad ones had cotton mouth we'd see them in the creek mm-hmm. it was like you get out the creek when you see a cotton mouth yeah yeah, yeah. you That's don't why i don't like the swimming creeks and there's there's I certain there's certain like characteristics that you know about certain snakes like Oh, the you know cottonmouths are aggressive. They'll come after you. You know everybody's yeah, yeah. heard that. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who knows anything about cottonmouths is they will jump out of the water and bite your eyes. You yeah. know, <laughs> Which I've never seen one do that. No, no one ever has. Yeah, yeah. So Fred Lally was kind of a highlight. Yeah, it really hearing his whole take on everything. Man, it was just amazing. I did an hour and forty five minute interview with him at wow. his house. Yeah. We talked for that long. I mean. There was so much that I had to take out. It, Does one he thing, have like snake paraphernalia yeah, and stuff around his house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He still it, probably has snakes, doesn't he? Nope. He, he, he doesn't have snakes right now. Why? He, I mean, he just kind of. He's just done with it. But yeah. he's got like, he's got, are they dried? Well, he's got ta- lots of taxidermied snakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he, uh, I, I told people on the render Which that I was going to tell what happened when he got bit by a banded Egyptian cobra. <laughs> he he just kind of threw that one on yeah. me. Do you remember in the render? Oh, I said, yeah. I'll, or yes. on the podcast, I said, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. In the it, it was pretty standard. I mean, he uh, he was feeding it, and it, it like, was a new was snake. Was this his snake? It was a new snake, and that's what the problem was. It they was hadn't new... acquainted with each other. Well, he, yeah. he, he just, never he just said he hadn't gotten the flute out yet. If you're not familiar under... with a banded Egyptian, and you just knew, you just bumped into him. <laughs> yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Well, okay. And and the other thing was is that I'm pretty sure he told me there were two of them in the same cage. So (laughs) he was he was feeding one and the other one got it. (laughs) Hey, he's not the guy that had the rattlesnakes at the state fair, is he? He may have been. Yeah, Malachi's got a banded Egyptian cobra pulled up. Hey, okay. This this, when Mr. When Mr. Fred was telling me this story, this is what I imagined. Have you ever? Do you know the unbeatable trick? Where you do like this to somebody, and then you slap them in the face. <laughs> you, you wiggle Play your fingers, fingers up yeah. with your right hand, and then when they look at your hand, yeah. you slap them in the face with your left hand. Yeah. And then if they catch on to it and they go to block, because they know you're going to come up with the left, you hit them with the right. It's, you can't beat it. You try Just try to beat it, Brent. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. No. So, that's essentially what happened arms. to Mr. Fred with the banded Egyptian cobras, okay? Wow. He was feeding one, and this other one, He just he said he just thought it was... As I understood the story to be told, he just thought because he was messing with this one that this one would be okay. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that is a not, lot of assumptions about just cobras. Handled. There was a time when he had he was. And this is totally legal. This is in other states and other places. Statute of limitations is fully. <laughs> well, expired. No, it's totally legal. He had like twenty five hundred rattlesnakes one time. Oh my, oh my lord! Goodness. How yeah, do you he, take? How do you care he, he for all this? Buy them by the ton. What? Are you kidding me? No, it's real normal. Who has that, a ton of rattlesnakes for sale? And that was all that's in what his I'm left wondering. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- that's actually how he got into snakes. Is he was he was a rattlesnake dealer? 
<laughs> Wait what? a minute. That's not do you have you, to get a... You don't get into snakes by being <laughs> a rattlesnake dealer. I'm sorry, It just Clay. started with a grass snake. <laughs> it started with a grass snake. <laughs> I, I've never been into grass snakes. snakes so I just are the decided to buy so tons of snakes. <laughs> no, no. He, he, he started dealing in, in rattlesnakes. And I mean, people eat rattlesnakes. There's rattlesnake skin business for making boots, for making belts. It's like totally legal. There's ways that they extract them. It's like hunting seasons. And basically, he was dealing in rattlesnakes, and he would keep the real cool ones. Mm. So he would get like two tons. How do you call rattlesnakes? He would, he would keep the cool ones, and he started realizing that people like to see the neat rattlesnakes, like the two-headed rattlesnakes, uh, the yeah. white rattlesnakes. Is that a common uh, thing? Is that, rattlesnake. Like, serious question. Is that a common mm. thing for a two-headed snake? It's a very uncommon, and that's why he... He would like travel across the country to go buy a two-headed rattlesnake. Yeah, and he's had several Same. of them. <laughs> Detour. <laughs> no, but, but so anyway, this cobra bit him on the finger and hit him on the finger, and he goes to the hospital and like he always does. He doesn't always go to the hospital, but when he went to the hospital, he he said, "I I would like to come sit in your waiting room and just be." I just want, um, so I'm not checking myself in, but I want to let you guys know why I'm sitting in your waiting room holding my hand. Uh, he said, I don't want antivenom, but yeah. Yeah, they just have banded cobra antivenom laying around? Well, I, I don't know. He, so he, he, he goes into the ER and they, so he basically says, I'm going to deny the treatment, but I'd like to stay here. And they tell him no. And so he gets up and leaves. And they call the police. They call the police. And uh, and he said the police were looking for him in the town. Because, like, as if he'd done something like... <laughs> yeah, illegal. Well, that was a welfare concern is what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they not gonna write him a, They weren't going to write him a ticket. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's how he got bit by a banded Egyptian cobra. What what a story. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very nice guy. Very, very, very knowledgeable just about... He's fun to talk to. A, a lot of these people that you meet, you, somehow you've met them on the road. That's the yeah. Like I'm, I, how much time do you just spend wandering the streets? <laughs> uh, you're right. It's a good question, Misty. Yeah. yeah, Clay says he's going for a run, and we're yep. just like, oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. we'll hear some good stories tonight. See you Tuesday, Brent. What was your favorite part? I learned a lot of stuff in there. Who, who would have thought a rattlesnake would live to be 50 years old? Oh yeah. man, yeah. Doesn't that make you not want to kill? No, I've listened. I listened to it probably three times. I've heard myself tell that story a million times, but I could only listen to the end once. I got through that one time. That was that was very. That lady is something. She is to be, yeah, applauded for being strong enough to tell that story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could. Yeah, yeah. I was so I was so surprised that she that was, lost the baby. I kept waiting for that. I, I, I kept waiting for, sure. for that to get better. That story to get better, and it yeah. got worse the longer it went. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I learned a lot of stuff from from listening to Chris, and I, I listen. You know, I've listened to Snake Talk before. Snake, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, a fifty year old snake that is that's unreal. Yeah. But I, you know, I I grew up catching snakes. You know, the, yeah. me getting bit was that was probably. The, I'd easily over a hundred snakes I'd, I'd ever caught and nothing ever happened. And that one time, you know, it yeah. did. 
And <laughs> the one time the Clay one, wants to talk to me about <laughs> yeah, the I one got time bit, it did. Not the hundred so, times you didn't. But I never, you know, I never. I was telling somebody earlier that uh, I don't. I don't never look for snakes. Uh, when I worked in the woods before I got old enough to be a police officer and and do go that route, um, I worked in the woods managing timber, and you know we'd find rattlesnakes. My friends would find rattlesnakes, but it was never. You know, like riding up on them on the cowboy movie, and they're coiled up over there, just waiting to strike somebody. Now they were all stretched out, like what Chris was talking about. Except there was one occasion we were working in the woods painting some landlines, and there was a mound, a little mound of, of dirt, probably twenty-five, thirty feet away from this line. It was four of us, two of us that were chopping trees, and two of us that were painting and marking the different uh, or the border between two property owners. And there was a rattlesnake over there that was striking it every time that we would move. And he was, like I said, 25 or 30 feet away. It was the most aggressive thing I'd ever seen. He was striking when you were 30 feet away. Absolutely. His wow. name was the captain. He, <laughs> he was something, man. It was, it was, captain, and he was, he was a big, it was a big rattlesnake. And What's the biggest rattlesnake you've ever seen? Biggest one I ever seen was probably almost six foot. Timber Rattler. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the no. Diamondback in Arkansas? I have not, no. Okay, I got – so James Lawrence. Um, James Lawrence, one time on, I want to say, November 28th in the 60s, killed a six – I'm going to say it was five foot plus, but I'm pretty sure he says it was six foot Diamondback Rattlesnake uh, in Arkansas, which is rare. Look at that. That's a dandy. That's a dandy. Brent, show me a picture of a big old rattlesnake. Yeah, this was no, uh, tim- So I've never seen a diamondback rattlesnake in Arkansas, but there's reports of them. And I often, if you tell me you've seen a diamondback rattlesnake in Arkansas, be be prepared to feel my my uh, to be challenged. Incredulity. Feel the dozer, <laughs> the dozer, because I'll be like, no, you didn't. Mm-mm. So James Lawrence told me this, and for those of you who wouldn't, you know, James Lawrence is one of my heroes. I mean, I believed him, but he just told me that one day, and I was just kind of like, okay. We were looking through his photo album two months ago, and I'll be dead gum. There's a six foot diamondback rattlesnake laid across the hood of like his, you know, 1965 Bronco. You know, he that, did see one. Sure enough, but, <laughs> but the cool thing was is that he. Maybe not cool. The unique thing was that he killed it on late November. Yeah, he said it was there was a frost on the ground, and he sat on the ground deer hunting, and the thing was coiled up. I mean, within he could have reached out and touched it. Oh my gosh! Sitting on a rock, sunning. He said there was like a beam of sun coming hitting this rock. And anyway, he killed it. uh, Kind of out itself. First time I ever saw someone handle a venomous snake was Mr. Clay Newcomb. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, driving, driving out and seeing a big, big old copperhead Copper head. going across the road, and I remember locking, locking up the, yeah. <laughs> and just charging out of the started. jeep, yeah. charging out of the jeep and grabbing the stick and pinning its head down, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I want to check this snake out, man." And yeah, yeah, that's how it all starts. Uh-huh. I like. And next thing you know, he looks like you got a baseball mitt on your left hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, my family, that was the one thing that gave them pause about me, about Clay Newcomb. <laughs> that was that it? Was yeah, it? that was it. Can you believe it? They they, they really liked I Clay. Was, and when they I was found known out as that the he, barehanded snake snatcher. 
down where I came from. <laughs> that is not how. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I thought they. I thought you were going right, to say bulldozer. they. Once, <laughs> once my pastor from the pulpit called me out. I mean, like, not. In a, he wasn't getting in me in sin? trouble. He was calling you <laughs> out. No, in sin. no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He, I wasn't in trouble. He just was in his sermon, and he said, "There's some people." In this church that like to catch snakes with their hands, and everybody looked at me. And he looked at me. Yeah. Did they call you Titanoboa? Uh, <laughs> well, I looked that thing up. Titanoboa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pushed pause on the phone and looked that I up did. right away. 42, I was like, whoa. 42 feet long and 2,500 pounds. Holy <laughs> wow. crap. There's not too many snakes that could eat a person. Well, there was the Titanoboa. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa, that's the podcast I want to hear. <laughs> I'm on the wrong podcast. I'm on the wrong. Oh, click that link. I'm going. Uh, that thing was crazy. Are you pulling up the Titanoboa? Yeah. No, Malachi's like our fact checker. Yeah. Malachi's sitting over there like wondering if anything we've said is real. No. He's like, I'm from Texas. I don't believe this. It's pretty crazy. Hey, Malachi, find out when that thing was alive. Looks like the Leviathan. 1936. It is like the They killed the last one, last one in, in 36. South Arkansas in 1936. Uh, 50, 58 to 60 million years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. It came over on the land bridge, didn't it? <laughs> I knew it, that was It was the land bridge. <laughs> it had a tail on Kamchatka and, a tail and his head in Alaska. Um, let's see. Misty, what was your general impression of the podcast? I thought it was good. I wasn't really sure how you were going to pull off a snake podcast and make it interesting and, and you know, meaningful. I, I I really wasn't sure how interesting it would be to me, but I thought it was interesting. I thought, um, like everybody said, the lady story at the end had a, a human component to it that was almost, that was tough to handle, but really admirable in terms yeah. of how she, how she handled it. And in that sense, I thought it was really, really valuable. And I, and I, I'm kind of like Malachi. I was interested in the, the human elements of it. Well, that's, but, but also I thought it was interesting when he went through the list of things not to do with snakes. Yeah. With snake bites, I for sure have heard all of them. Would have died. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done all those Misty things. Misty would have been pulling out a knife, cutting and sucking. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Exactly. While she runs out of the woods. Exactly. <laughs> when I got bit, like when I got to the emergency room, the, the doctor, my family doctor happened to be there. And we had, they, we had stopped a, a deputy sheriff and informed him what was going on, you know, and to call the hospital and let them know we were coming. So when we got there, it's just like Chris was saying, you know, call ahead. We got there. They were standing at the door waiting for us at the, at the ER, and my family doctor was there, and he said, are you allergic to anything? He said, I can't think of anything you're allergic to. I said, no, I'm not allergic to anything that I know of. So they gave me that, that antivenom, but the first thing that he did was he put my hand in a bag of ice for about 15 minutes. Then he pulled it out and took a scalpel like John Wayne, and that's the, that's the scar that you see on my really? thumb. Really? He cut an X on there and squeezed my hand like he was milking a cow. Really? <laughs> and pushing blood and venom out. Yeah. That's the first thing. So what What do you think? Do you think that was like not good medical practice, but for 1987 it was? I, I He's the one that went to medical school. I, I can only attribute that I am got my thumb today and it's working by what he did. Because he got it, the swelling got he got me with one thing, and my hand got so big that they thought they would have to cut. And yeah. uh, I can't remember what you call that, but they make cuts in the top of it to relieve the pressure because they thought the skin was going to tear open. Wow! And that would have wow. caused you know a lot of damage, a lot of trouble. Man. But 
it, they said, you know, we're giving it 30 more minutes. It's got to start going down or we're going to do that. And this was over like six hours. Wow. And then it, but it started going back down and it went all the way up to my bicep. Wow. You know, I'll tell you when I stopped catching snakes was when I got a family and hardly had a lick of health insurance, if none. Yeah, true story. There were large spans of our life when we had none, not because we yeah. chose that, but because, <laughs> and I remember when I had my kids with me, I caught snakes, the kids have seen me catch quite a few venomous snakes, but at one point I was like, you know what, this may not be the smartest thing for you to be doing, because I thought, I'm going to get bit by a snake, messing around with it, and not going to be able to work because, you know, yep. back when I was working by well, the sweat of my brow. In 87. Before I was playing music professionally. <laughs> <laughs> in 1987, two doses of anti-venom cost $300. So I would, I'd be interested to know what it, what it cost today. Malachi, Malachi. help us out. <laughs> hey, I, I, so I list somebody, uh, Isaac Neal, my friend Isaac Neal in Missouri, the photographer. Um, he sent me a podcast, and don't be tempted to send me a, a podcast, but I did listen to the podcast Isaac sent me, um, just because I had a long road trip, and it was about antivenoms, and did, do y'all know how antivenom is made? It's horse serum, isn't it? Well, uh, see, I, I, I could have repeated that, but I really wouldn't have known what that meant. Okay, so the way they make antivenom is that there is a place here in the United States um, they have 150 horses, and they have all the possible venomous snakes that people in the areas they're servicing could could be bit by. Okay, and let's say it's not even the United States. Banded, I mean, there's, there's banded probably Egyptian cobra. Well, that's I, I got questions about that. I don't know uh, because, but basically, they take actual snakes, get venom from the snakes, like a specific snake, a ra- rattlesnake, copperhead. And then they inject small doses into a horse, and it actually makes them swell up and get a little bit sick. And then they do that for three weeks, and then they extract like that so much crazy. blood out of that horse. And you know, X, you know, one horse can produce X numbers of doses of antivenom, and it's not very much. I mean, it's like fifteen doses of antivenom for like, you know, like this session with this horse, you know. And so, and basically, when you and, and they treat it in some other way, it's not like a blood transfusion. They do one more thing to it, or maybe a lot more, but basically, it is horse blood, and it, and it has built an antibody to small amounts of that venom. And a horse's blood is enough, like human blood, that it just kind of goes in. It's like, hey, we're on the same team. We both got hair and feed our babies milk. Mm-hmm. And so they it it. It, that's how it works, that's, that's what it the equates end. to. And and basically that is antivenom. And the point of this podcast that I listened to that Isaac Neal sent me was uh that uh it's we've been doing that process for like over a hundred years. Like the medical technology basically hasn't increased. So now they're doing studies on chemical antivenoms. Hmm. And it was pretty, it was pretty, the podcast was okay. Uh, you can, you could, I'm not going to say the it's name no of it. no bear grease. No. Um, but it was. I uh, bulldozer yesterday. <laughs> hey, Drew, that does. Clay dozer nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a snake venom is, is truly 
and they said it a nefarious chemical compound mm. that has lots and lots of wild things that go into your body that makes i mean it has like real strategic things like there's a part of it that's designed to shut down your brain there's a part of it that's designed to shut down your muscles there's a part of it that's designed mm. to you know make your feet turn backwards so you so when you think you're going forward you're going backward that's a joke that didn't happen <laughs> but like basically one one snake misty like that um one type of snake might have many things that that venom does and so you have to if you're making a chemical you have to find a solution for each one of those problems you see so it's super complex you might wake up with backwards feet (laughs) yes (laughs) no but so with the antivenom with a horse like it the horse did all the work typical western humans Malachi, did you were you able to quantify how much it costs? Three hundred dollars. Yep. Worth now is seven hundred and seventy seventeen dollars. Oh, really? Seven hundred and seventeen. Is that what venom costs now? Anti venom. You can get venom for free. Inflation calculator. He just did inflation on three hundred dollars. Oh. I'm curious what what it would cost. I bet it's beyond that. Oh man. I bet it's beyond ten grand. Six grand. That's my guess. The other thing, and I didn't one dollar. <laughs> what I didn't talk about too much. Well, I did talk about it. Misty said that you know how are we going to make a podcast that was like interesting about snakes and stuff. Man, snakes. I said it in the podcast at the beginning. Snakes are a incredible and unique component that is a cog in the wheel of the human experience. And I mean, it's just true. They got I mean, a place. They, they. I mean, you think of all these other animals. I mean, a snake, just it, it just plays this part. And I, every time, all these podcasts, it, it might feel like they're like really scripted. I didn't write that conclusion till the end, like till like twenty minutes before I was done with the podcast, because I really was like, what did I learn from this? And I thought about Genesis chapter one, and I thought about the serpent deceiving the woman and that ultimately ended up being a pathway there's a redemptive side to that because you know and i i do believe the bible it 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 taught us to learn to obey god i mean god said don't eat the fruit snake says eat the fruit it's okay just like you said about your mom eat the fruit man every mother Except for Malachi's mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's still good, though. Yeah, she's good. She's, she's, she's still good. Let me throw that in there. <laughs> no, no. She was warning about other stuff, so it didn't have to be a snake. But no, really, like Juju's warning, it's like taught me to pay attention. And that warning was easy for me to go, she's right. If she said, Clay, don't you pick up that basketball. Don't pick, I mean, that would be kind of like a hard thing to, I'd be like, come on, I can pick up the basketball, it's not that big a deal. She tells me not to touch that snake, and I get over there, and I feel a little chill come up my spine, and I see that sucker strike, I'm like, she is a smart woman. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it's nuanced, yeah. but I, I think it's deep, and I think it's real, is that the negative things are very strategically placed in our life for a purpose. And so there's two components. There's two, like, there's this metaphorical snake I'm talking about now of like how the, the, the challenging things, the things that can kill us, actually become key identifiers for the positive side of who we are. 
So you wouldn't look at Clay and be like, Clay is who he is because of snakes and his mother. But I am who I am because I learned to obey my mom. I, I obeyed my dad. I mean, like much of my life was shaped by these people. And I find that to be true in a lot of life. But sometimes people become defined by the negative things. So, you know, that's like the whole like metaphorical side of, of this snake. If we're looking at this snake as, as something bigger than an actual reptile. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about an actual reptile, I love snakes. And so on the conservation side of what I was trying to do was just continue to tell people like, you don't have to kill every snake you see. Um, you know, the, the only snake I would kill, and I, I'll just be honest, is that if there was a big rattlesnake in my yard, like, I'm actually, I wouldn't kill him. I'd catch him and take him somewhere. I'd take him out in the mountains. If I, you know, the right snake in the right place, you know, I would kill in my yard. That's it. That's it. You had a big one in your yard in town, didn't you? Two years ago. Brent Reeves. He sleeps, up. He sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make Brent it. Brent lives in kind of a subdivision type area i live right at the beginning of a subdivision right across from where i live it's i don't three or four hundred acres of of woods and a big hay field and they've been cutting hay out there this was in september because we were we were baiting we were baiting bears then yeah and uh i'd come in and a neighbor comes up knocks on the door says hey man you got a gun i'm like do I need one? He's like, we got a big, there's a big You're snake like, out. There's a donkey brave. <laughs> yeah. He says, we got, there's a big rattlesnake out in your yard. And I'm thinking, okay, there's not a rattlesnake out in my yard. Not where I live. And I go outside and he wasn't kidding. There's a huge rattlesnake in my yard. Well, wow. I, I was, and at that time, Bailey was six. My little girl was six. Yeah. So, you know, across the road, he's good to go. He can't, he can't live in my yard. Yeah. So that was the end of him. And as a matter of fact, I talked to Chris Jenkins about that. And Chris said, yeah, you probably didn't error too far there. Yeah, th- so. I mean, there's a place for that. But in general, and I know you, if you were out in the mountains, you wouldn't kill a snake. No. I mean, so. I hate rats too much to kill a snake. It's true. It's true. That's. that's That is yeah. my identifier with a snake mm-hmm. is that he's going to get rid of the rat problems. Mm-hmm. Rats, I don't do rats. Don't do rats. No. Same. Same. Hey. Before you close off, I've got a snake story about you getting bit, and I'm going to tell it right now so you can cut it out if you want. <laughs> okay. So Shepard, when he was a little boy, had Clay got bit by a snake, Not, and it wasn't like a, a bad bite. It wasn't a venomous snake. Yeah, and it didn't make the podcast, but Clay once got bit by a snake. Which Clay's bite? been bit by lots of snakes, just not venomous ones. All right, so he got bit by a snake, and Shepard was real, real interested in that, that that really caught his attention and he would tell people. But it made my finger bleed. Yeah, it made his finger bleed. And Shepard wanted to tell everyone he saw about it. Shepard also had a speech impediment at that age. And so he would run around and say, my daddy got bitten a dinger by a snake. <laughs> a snake bit my daddy's dinger. <laughs> For real. We, we carried him around. We tried to get him and to I tell people. Little, I had a little cut on my thumb. Where this big black rat snake bit me on the thumb, right. and we would take Shepherd around, and we'd say, "Tell him." Misty would say, "Tell him what happened to your daddy," and he would say, "He'd say snake my daddy, daddy got bit right on the dinger." Right, he would say, "My da- a snake bit my daddy's dinger." <laughs> dinger. 
Finger. There you go. Finger. Welcome to the render. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed your stay. <laughs> hey, I will tell one more snake story. Mm. My once when I was in high school, I was driving my brother's 1994 Mitsubishi Eclipse, which at the time was like a really Hot sweet, like, man, like uh, black tinted windows, like a like a multi disc CD changer. Oh my goodness, like, he was like the coolest guy I knew. I was never that cool. I drove like beat up trucks and stuff. Um, he let me drive his Mitsubishi Eclipse. I was coming home and I saw a big copperhead that had been hit right on the tip of his tail on the road. And I mean, the snake was like fully alive, but he had been hit. And so I, it was dark. I slammed on the brakes. I was by myself, got out, caught the snake. And but I had to drive home, and it was a standard, it was a stick shift. Mm, this is getting complicated. I've got the snake in one hand. And I got to drive with a stick <laughs> shift and a standard. And also, I didn't have anything to put the snake in, but I wanted to bring it home to show Gary Newcomb, and because uh, it was a big one. And uh, so I just I decided that I didn't want it in the car with me. Because I, you know, if it got loose in the dark while I was driving thinking, in my Smart. lap, yeah. that could be a problem. You're making a lot of good decisions. So I drove with that copperhead <laughs> hanging out the window, and I drove with one hand, and I would shift. You know, you just grab a gear real quick and put your hand back on the wheel. Shift, grab a gear, put your hand on the wheel. Oh, while the snake is flapping out the window. I drove all the way home with that snake flapping out the window. Get home, take the, you know. Show Gary, we got a picture. Of, I got a picture of that snake, me holding that snake. And uh, it got snake blood on the side <laughs> of the car, and that snake blood never came out. Really? It was as if you had put, like, lacquer thinner on the car. And Zach Newcomb was upset with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he was. That was Black Mitsubishi Eclipse. Exactly. And it forever had this, like, cloudy section of paint where that snake blood did something to the paint. Well, we're going fly fishing this weekend, me and Zach, so I'll bring that back up. So Ask he, him about yeah. it. Hey, last thing. Listen to Brent Reeves' podcast, Nightlife Nation podcast. If you're interested in coon hunting, hearing some good stories, Brent has a cool podcast. Yep, um, me and two other guys, Steve Fielder and Nick Gilliland. Yep. Check out their podcast. And, uh, man, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Um. Keep the wild places wild, because that's where the rattlesnakes live, and the bears live. Have you ever thought about a bear getting bit by a rattlesnake? Has that ever entered your mind? My brother's got Never. a squirrel dog that hates him. He got bit three times in four days. No way. This spring. His head looked like he'd been six <laughs> rounds with Mike Tyson. Wow. And if he can find one now, he's going to try to kill it. Cannot keep him off of him. Mountain curve. <laughs> They should name him Captain. <laughs> Captain, oh Captain. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. 
therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more.